Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com and Gusto. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. Gusto offers modern, easy payroll plus benefits to small businesses across the country. They were even named Best Online Payroll by PC Mag. As a listener, you'll get three months free when you run your first payroll. Sign up and give it a try at gusto.com slash accelerate. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast continues to gain recognition as a great resource for small business owners, sales professionals, aspiring entrepreneurs, uh, you know, all sorts of business people. That is because of the guests who join me to share their expertise with all of you. Today, my guest is Jean Christensen. Jean is a founder, advocate, and minority and women business enterprise growth specialist on a mission to help others achieve their mission by supporting budding entrepreneurs, government agencies, and prime contractors as they bring their businesses to the next level. In addition to being recognized as a 2016 top woman to watch through specializing in helping small minority and women-owned firms to break barriers through development and growth, Jean has been recognized by the Brooklyn Chamber of Commerce, Empire State Development Corporation, the Dormitory Authority, and ASIS Women in Security. Thanks so much for joining me today, Jean. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I am thrilled to have you here. Uh, we are going to be talking about uh, figuring out how to do business with the government, which I think you've already figured out, and you're going <laughs> to share it with everybody here. Um, my first question that, that I would like to ask you is, how does a small business go about identifying opportunities with the government? That's a great question. So, you know, oftentimes small business, small businesses are not thinking of government agencies as a potential um, source of revenue. So my recommendation is start small, you know, start in your own region, wherever you are, and start thinking about what are the government agencies in your own backyard. And for many of us, that is your, you know, it's, it's your libraries, um, your schools and, and organizations like that, and start connecting with those um, organizations to see how do they buy goods and services, because you'd be surprised 
that within your own community, there are plenty of opportunities. Um, the other thing that I would recommend for people to do is reach out to um, some of the various uh, centers that are set up to help small businesses gain access to government contracts. So that could be places like um, a women's business development center is a great place. Um, the Small Business Administration is another great place. And there's, there's other organizations designed to help um, minority women, uh, veterans gain access to opportunities. So start looking, you know, even if you do like a quick search in Google, opportunities for minority and women-owned businesses, you're going to find some great resources. That's great. And, and I find uh, um, that it can be really uh, confusing and feel complicated na navigating that contracting space. So if someone, um, well, I guess I want to ask this question too, Ace. So are you, do you think it is, it, if I reach out to one of these organizations, like say the SBA, are they going to like hand walk me through the process or are they just going to explain it to me and then I got to go navigate it? Yeah, you know, Diane, you're, you, you, hit, you hit the nail on the head that this is, in, in many instances, a complicated process. And a lot of times people will tell you what to do, but not necessarily how to do it. So I think it's important for the business owner to take advantage, again, of the many resources that are available out there and start doing some of their own market research so that they answer some of the questions like, you know, is the government buying what I'm selling? If they are, you know, gently exploring, because a lot of this information you can find online, uh, gently exploring, if the government is buying what I'm selling, what is the process? And um, there's also some free workshops and training, but, you know, my, my strongest recommendation to people is that this is a journey. You're definitely not going to get the answer in one or two sessions with the SBA or those types of organizations, I think it's important for people to take the time to commit to market research. Okay. All right. That makes a lot of sense to me. So it's really like anything else you're going to do in your business. You want to do the front end work, the pre-work to make sure you know an opportunity and be that in front of it before you actually start going down the path. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's almost like, you know, having a business plan. And, and I think having a business plan is, 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 is important and that people, you know, if they're thinking about doing business with the government, that they, they really commit to doing the market research. Yeah, yeah, I get that. So what are some of the barriers to securing a government contract? Well, you know, in, in the past, one of the one of the huge barriers have been that you know, in order to get contracts with the government, you needed to have had contracts with the government, right? It's like the chicken and the egg um, type of scenario. And what I'm finding now is that government agencies are a lot more um, thoughtful on how they do business with smaller companies. So that's not uh, that's not so much of an issue. Um, anymore, but I think people need to understand that, that that government agencies are looking for people who do have a certain level of experience and expertise, and that they can demonstrate that you know um, when they're pitching their services to the government. 
The other thing people need to be aware of is that, you know, doing business with the government is maybe different for some folks than doing business with their private sector clients. Uh, for example, in my private practice, I, you know, I bill clients on the first and, you know, they pay me a, a retainer fee, which is due by the 10th. Otherwise, you know, we don't continue. Um, where in the government space, you, you bill in the rears. So it's typically 30 days after um, you complete a, a task or work uh, that you can invoice. So a barrier to success for a lot of small business businesses is cash flow. So I think it's important for yeah. people to know going in that they should have a cash flow management strategy. And this is important all the way around, by the way. I think, you know, as small businesses, we need to pay attention to, um, you know, our monthly cash flow requirements and consider them when we are taking on new clients. So many small businesses don't think about, they think if they put on an invoice, uh, net 30 or net 15, that that the government is going to follow that, and they don't. They follow their own path, right? They have their own way of processing uh, invoices. Exactly. And knowing, I'm going through this right now, not just government, you know, large corporate clients, everybody has um, their own onboarding process where, you know, you have to get entered into their system, and there's a potentially a different department that pays the invoices. So, you know, making sure that you are knowledgeable about those, um, what they are really barriers for small business, small businesses, so that you're knowledgeable about those things and that you can, you can be proactive about negotiating your terms when it comes to how you get paid and what's the process. What is it about small firms? And I will, I'll ask particularly women, minorities, and veterans that makes them well-suited for government contracts. You know, it's, I think it's all small businesses are, could be particularly um, well-suited for, for, for government contracts. And one of the main reasons are, as small businesses, you know, we're typically hands-on. So there's not a complicated process for us to pay our bills. There's not a complicated process for us to deliver excellent service to our clients, which is why small businesses are particularly attractive to um, government agencies, especially now. With that said, one of the reasons why programs exist for minority, women, service-disabled veterans, and other protected groups is that we have typically been um, eliminated from the supply chain. You know, in the past, you know, government agencies were really focused on, you know, looking 100% at, at other large businesses, for example or they're looking to global corporations because they're, they're focused 100% on price. Whereas now we know that, you know, when a small business receives a contract from the government, that it has a ripple effect. It creates jobs in the community. Um, it creates wealth in the community. Um, it revitalizes communities. So government agencies and um, private organizations are a lot more sensitive now to, um, how they can include small businesses in the supply chain. I think it's something that empowers small business owners to realize they play, you hear it a lot, but it really is true that small business owners, we, we play a significant role in the economy where we are and beyond, um, and the government gets that. And so 
we're easier to work with, and we can have um, a great impact on our communities. There's also a number of studies that have shown that when you know, government agencies and large corporations pay attention to the small businesses in their communities, that it actually has a, a, an impact on their bottom line. Many large corporations have found that when they include diverse suppliers in the, in the supply chain, it is, it is resulted in higher profits for the, for the corporation. Because small business, by, by their nature, um, we all tend to um, have low overhead, you know, we watch our costs. We're much more innovative when it comes to um, business strategy. Whereas larger corporations, they all, they often have, you know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of complexities uh, to doing business with them. So again, I think right. you know, the key focus here is that you know having small business as part of the supply chain is advantageous for so many reasons. Community, um, you know, in addition to uh, increasing profits for um, these uh, larger corporations. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. Okay, I need to take a quick sponsor break, and then I have some more questions for you on the other side. Sure. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com and Gusto. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. And if you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are Breathe to Succeed by Sandy Abrams and Leading Loyalty by Lena Renee. So visit audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Everyone loves payday, but loving a payroll provider? That's a little weird. Still, small businesses across the country love running payroll with Gusto. Gusto automatically files and pays your taxes. It's super easy to use, and you can add benefits and management tools to help take care of your team and keep your business safe. It's loyal. It's modern. You might fall in love yourself. Listeners get three months free when they run their first payroll. Check it out at gusto.com slash accelerate. Today, we're speaking with Jean Christensen about accelerating your business with government contracts. You, I, uh, a lot of small business owners think it's, that it's easy to do business with the government and that working with the government, you know, is, it should just be like one, two, three, and, and that's not necessarily the case. So why is working with the government not as attainable as it seems? Well, I think you, the first part of your comment about, you know, people thinking that, you know, it should just be an easy process. And people need to understand that, you know, the government is, is spending tax dollars. So they have a fiduciary responsibility to, you know, the taxpayers. So they need to document how, you know, how money is being spent. They need to ensure that they are getting the best quality and the best price. 
And they also need to um, make sure that the vendors that they're dealing with meet a certain standard. So that is why doing business with the government can at times appear to be arduous, time consuming, because it's not a simple transaction like you and I would have, you know, I decide I want to buy from you, Diane, I go to your website and, you know, we, 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 we do business. Whereas for the, for the reasons I stated, because of the government's fiduciary um, responsibility, there's, there's a few more, um, a few more hoops, if you will, that, that, that people need to jump through and, you know, and, and with good reason, quite frankly, you know, as a taxpayer, it makes sense. You know, sometimes as a small business, you know, it's not the easiest thing for us to, you know, to deal with like, Oh, I got to fill out this paperwork. I got to fill out that paperwork. But as a taxpayer, I appreciate it. You know, I want to know, right. I want to know where my dollars are going. I want to know that there is a fair process um, to choose vendors and that the vendors that are being selected are, you know, of the highest quality and that they're providing um, the most competitive pricing. Right. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's sort of, um, it's one of those, yes, I do. And I wish <laughs> I could get in and, and uh, possibly at a higher price, which actually um, leads me to a question about profit. So for the small business, is it, is it a profitable venture to work with the government? So here's the thing about profit, and this is another small, this is another thing that's really important for small businesses to take into consideration when they go into any market. I strongly suggest that people do their market research so that you can really have an understanding of industry trends. Because what I would say is um, that the profit margins in a specific uh, area, let's look at IT services or um, security services are, I have a lot of clients in security, and the profit margins in security are low um, if you're providing a particular commodity. So it's important for people to know that, like know what is the, know their numbers, number one, and know what is customary in their region. Um, because everything with the government is fully transparent so that you can do your market research to figure out what the profit margins look like. What I can say, um, and what my experience has been, even when I had a security company and I knew that the profit margins were low, is that clients in general will pay more for higher quality service, customer service, technology, and innovative business strategies. So if you're in a highly competitive market, um, you know, as a small business, you don't want your clients to select you on price alone. You want them to, you want to be known for, for going above and beyond, providing some of the extras that most clients will pay more for, you know? Um, so in my experience, government contracting has been, you know, a very profitable venture. Um, many of the contracts are multi-year contracts where um, you have contracts, you know, for with one year and then um, options to renew them. So I think it's a, a great way to build a small business. So how do you go about um, building that sort of credibility with the, the government buyers? You know, like how does someone market themselves so that they appreciate and see the 
the value of doing business with, you know, small business ABC? So for me, I think it's really all about marketing. And this is a service that I provide to my clients. One of it, one is market research. It's so important that, you know, when you're going into a new market, if you're saying, listen, I want to do business, you know, well, today I'm in Connecticut. I want to do business with government agencies in Connecticut. So really understanding, okay, the agencies that I want to do business with, having a strategy to confirm that they're buying what I'm selling or that there is a need for my service. And then creating a marketing strategy on how to, how to get in front of those agencies. And it, it could be a multi-tiered approach. I mean, today, um, with today's technologies, there are so many ways that, that people can get out there and connect with buyers so that people understand, you know, the value that you bring. One of the things that's unique to the um, small business space and the minority and women-owned business space is that you know, here in Connecticut and also um, very much so in New York, government buyers are actively engaged in, in, in identifying minority and women-owned businesses to, to, to work with. In New York State, for example, um, the state has a, uh, the state and the city have a, um, a goal to award 30% of all contracts to minority and women-owned businesses. So that, that goes back to your earlier question. Well, you know, how do they, how do people get the experience that they need uh, and how do they get in front of buyers? And one of the ways to do that is through subcontracting, like taking advantage of the various opportunities um, to, to work on a project with um, another, you know, another vendor as a subcontractor. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's almost for me, you know, I think, in, and just to share with, with, with clients so people can kind of, you know, kind of see what this looks like. When I, I, I left my, um, I sold my security company, you know, back in the 2000s and I thought to myself, okay, what do I want to do next? And I decided that I wanted to go into the government contracting space and I wanted to do what I'm doing right now. I wanted to um, work with minority women-owned businesses and one of, the, one of the first things that I did is I looked around to see, well, who else was doing this type of work? And did they have any contracts that had that 30% requirement? And I was able to get on a project that had a 30% requirement. And the beauty and the value of that was, number one, um, I, got to, I got to learn how to navigate that government contracting space. I was able to learn all the things that nobody will ever teach you, like um, politics, if you will, you know, how to navigate certain relationships, um, the back office process, you know, timekeeping, tracking, um, customer service. I was able to do that under the umbrella of a larger company, which was a real value add because it taught, it was like a, it was like a, uh, being on the express train, <laughs> you know, really getting, getting kind of like a fast course on how to be successful in the space. I love that. And I, I think this is such a great thing. So the small business doesn't have to be the prime contractor on, on a piece of business. They can start out by being the carve out, so to speak. Yeah. Wow. That's great. And I want to just say, you know, to your audience that this type of carve out is available, you know, throughout the United States. 
you know, depending on what type of agency that you want to do business with, if you think about um, the VA, the Veterans Administration, they have a particular carve out for veterans, a particular carve out for service disabled uh, veterans. They have um, what they call set asides for veterans only. And in other environments, uh, similar environments, this type of programming exists as well. So just to remind everybody of the importance of doing that market research so that you can really kind of identify, you know, what, is, what does that landscape look like as you're looking to enter into the government contracting arena? Yeah, great. Okay, um, are there costs associated with a government contract that are different from costs that are associated with doing business with private companies or individuals? Yes. Yes, that's a great question. Um, you know, there are published reports that say, um, th th this was out a couple of years ago, but there are published reports that say that it takes about $80,000, um, that people need to spend approximately $80,000 on, on marketing and different types of activities before they land their first contract. I would say that I think it's a little bit easier now because, you know, the, in, in, the, in New York, for example, um, the government has set aside programs or made it easier for smaller businesses to, to connect with buyers. But you have to think about, number one, the time commitment. And many people are now working with consultants. So that's part of the fee that people include into their, their plan. They're working with consultants because, um, you know, kind of doing a lot of the research, quite frankly, that's where I see people kind of get stuck. You know, so if they're not working with a, 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 like a women's business center or a consultant, they, they really struggle with figuring out how to identify their target audience. So there's, there's, there's fees in, involved with that. There's time involved with that. And then I think it's important for people to recognize that if you're going into any market, you should have, you know, the basic tools. You know, some people think, well, I'm just going to go to market. I'll wait till I get my first contract and then I'll start building out all the things I need. And although that is, that works for some, you know, so like all of us have bootstrapped it at some point, I think it's important for people to consider the associated costs with, you know, marketing, you know, having a decent website, you know, having branded business cards and, and, and tools that can really help you get to the next level. So, you know, my advice to people is to have some budget um, set aside for marketing and business development. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because, you know, in the bootstrapping environment, I mean, you know, you'll eventually get there. But in today's society where everybody, you know, is, is looking up everything right away on Google and, you know, social media, I think you do a disservice to yourself if, if you're not prepared for that. Yeah, right. Right. You just make it harder. Yeah. So will you talk to us about getting certified, um, like, who needs to, how they go about it, you know, on what level, just that kind of thing? Yeah, so, you know, all the different um, nomenclatures that I was using, service disabled, women, minority, um, there's all these different types of certifications. So if you identify with those groups and you're you've done the market research and you have found that there is, um, you know, a 30% goal like there is in New York City or New York State, it's important for you to get certified. Why? 
because you want to be easily identifiable to your target audience. The process for certification varies, um, you know, depending on who the target audience is. So um, I'll share some some easy ones, um, not easy ones, but some some recognizable names. Um, the Women's Business Enterprise National Council um, certifies women own businesses and that is a national certification that can be used with corporations and some state and local government agencies. Um, the National Minority Supplier Development Council is another organization that certifies um, minority owned businesses on a national level. And then, you know, I would encourage clients to look, you know, in their, in their state, you know, their state certifications, city certifications, um, Small Business Administration has a number of different types of certifications as well. So should people get certified? I go back to the importance of do your market research first. A lot of times you'll hear other consultants say, oh yes, get certified, and, and I disagree. The only reason somebody should get certified is if uh, to use it as a marketing tool so that they are identifiable um, by agencies that are looking to do business with minorities, women, service-disabled veterans, and other protected I really appreciate the um, not just saying everyone should get certified and, and, and do, do your market research first. I like that a lot. I think that, that solves or uh, prevents a lot of um, unnecessary work or heartache down the road. Yeah, and you know, when I first started out, you know, the, the, the word was get certified, you need to be certified. And, you know, certification has been an invaluable tool to me, um, you know, in, in my business. But I, I have done the market research. And even now, as I go into new states, because we are, you know, um, expanding our business throughout the Northeast region, we're doing it really strategically to make sure that we're connecting with government agencies, um, with agencies that are uh, value the certification. For example, we are now, you know, we, we have a really strong presence in the New York um, metro um, region. We've recently gotten certified with the Port Authority um, because they have an expansive program for minority women-owned businesses. There's a lot of work now at the airport, you know, $13 billion is the number that comes to mind. Um, for a specific project at the airport. Um, so, you know, again, identify the, the client, identify the opportunity, and then pursue the certification so that we're in, you know, we're in align, alignment for the opportunities. Mm -hmm. We're also expanding into, um, you know, Boston, Massachusetts, because again, we found opportunities there for minority women-owned businesses. So, pursued the certification there. Um, we're just about to uh, receive our certification um, for Boston because there's a ton of opportunities there as well. Hmm. That's great, great. So, so you can pick and choose the, where it makes sense for you to be. I like, thank you for that example because I think that really points out how when you know where the opportunity is, then you know where and if you should go ahead with certification. Absolutely. I should, also, yeah. I should also mention to folks that you can leverage a national certification, um, such as the Women's Business Enterprise uh, National Council or the National Supplier, uh, national Supplier Minority Council as well, um, because oftentimes 
when you have the national certification, start, some states will recognize that certification and fast track you through the certification process in their state. Now, do you have to um, be at a certain level, uh, revenue level for certification to be worth it, or does it not matter? You know, I'm going to say that I think, so my answer is twofold. So first, you know, do you need to meet a certain revenue requirement to get certified? The answer to that question is no. But I, I, I go back to reminding people of the importance of having some type of a strategy. So if you're just starting out, um, you know, it's important for you to think about, you know, if you were to acquire contracts with the government, how are you going to manage it? So I think the answer is twofold. It's, it doesn't mean if you don't have any revenue that you shouldn't pursue certification, but there needs to be a strategy behind why you're pursuing that certification. And business owners need to be ready to deliver when they start marketing their services. So, you know, I, I don't say to people, you know, day one, when you open your door, let's get certified. I focus more on Let's identify our target audience. Let's get some, some revenue coming in. Let's position ourselves for success. And maybe that looks like um, teaming with someone else, subcontracting with someone else, so that you're generating the revenue to support that, that goal of expanding with you know, larger clients. Right. Yeah, that's great advice. Okay. This is so great. This is such helpful information and it brings it to a place where uh, people can understand it. Cause like we were talking about at the beginning, it can seem like it's um, complicated and unwieldy and, and not knowing where to go. Um, so Jean, thank you so much. Will you tell the listeners how they can find you and what you've got going on, please? Sure. So you can go to my website. It's Jean Christensen um, associates.com and there, I suggest, number one, looking at my blog postings, um, because I share a lot of real-life advice and tips for folks as to how to connect with government agencies, what are the things that they should be looking for, and even helpful tips for small businesses in general. Um, just last week, we, we, we started talking about, listen, it's, you know, it's second quarter, like, what are some of the things that you should be doing in your business to make sure that you meet your goals for, for 2019? I also, um, on my website, there is um, where we host webinars and free workshops. So for anyone that's in the New York City region, um, definitely come out to our free workshops. Um, webinars, they're, they're, they're available nationally. I'm also on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Fabulous. Thank you. My and pleasure. Listeners, thank you. You should... Um, Hopefully you took a lot of notes and uh, go to Jean's website and, and read her blog posts and learn as much as you can about this. And remember, as she said, do your market research first. I would also like to thank our sponsors, audible.com and Gusto. To get a free trial of audible.com as well as a free audiobook, just go to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth to sign up. For payroll processing you'll love, sign up for a demo of Gusto today at gusto.com slash accelerate. Listeners get three months free when they run their first payroll. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. 
Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.